0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Guma, Tackling your stock-related questions this evening, Rukas Readers from PSG, Walter Reimsich, and Dale Hutchison from APSA Asset Management. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za, or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Thanks, gentlemen, for your time. Let's start off with the big news today, and that was the U.S. inflation figures. Adele, I want to start with you. What was your takeout from that inflation coming in at 8.2%, slightly higher than analyst expectations of 8.1%? Of course, that comes from 8.3% in August.
1: Well, I mean, clearly inflation is still at levels that is uncomfortable for the Fed. Um, so I don't think it's changing the narrative, and uh, I think that's why the market hasn't necessarily responded particularly negatively to the the, the inflation print, albeit slightly higher than expected. And that's because it's quite clear the, the Fed is hawkish at the moment, and you know, rate hikes are coming through until the inflation comes down done. And that's not happening yet. So I think the market would have probably, if they'd surprised positively, would have started to speculate that the Fed's you know going to a pivot or something like that again and that certainly wasn't what we saw in this sort of inflation point
0: let me tell you today i was like you know what i actually don't know the markets because i was expecting red screens all over the show i was very very surprised at that market reaction Uh, ricas were you surprised by that
2: um No, I wasn't surprised. um, But let me tell you what I was not surprised about, and that was the volatility of the whole thing. Okay. Um, Mainly because there's such a lot of uncertainty surrounding it. So I think the um, rally that we're seeing, you know, after the American markets opened, um, being down, you know, two and a half, three percent, and we're currently positive. I would imagine there's quite a bit of short covering going on. But I think added to that is is what Dale just. Um, mentioned, it has given some certainty to the market that there is no doubt that um, the Fed is going to remain hawkish, that the next meeting will probably be a 75 basis point increase. So, um, yeah, markets like certainty. Um, As to whether um, the number in itself is good from an economic sense, that's obviously doubtful, because There is uncertainty as to whether these hikes in inflation, specifically with with this number, um, is going to have its intended um, um, result in bringing inflation down. And it certainly has the unintended result of making markets more chaotic.
0: Yeah. Um, Just on those Fed minutes, Dell, I I was confused at some point because there was a a line that the fed came out with um i've actually lost the quote now but basically they were saying that some policymakers were basically saying that the fed does need to be aware of the risks that uh, such aggression could have on the economy and the financial markets and i'm wondering if those minutes were as hawkish as expected
1: i think they were because i think they still indicated a, a real commitment to addressing um, inflation through um, increasing rates, um, but it's clear. I mean, I mean, sometimes it feels like you. Re- what's being said is quite obvious. Of course, the Fed is always mm-hmm. going to be looking at you know data that economic data that gets printed. They do have a dual mandate, so they'll always be looking for you know the impacts that the rate hikes are going to have on things like employment, etc. So it's sometimes stating the obvious and not stating the obvious that sometimes makes people think that the Fed is implying something else. And I think sometimes the market tries to look or read into specific sentences and maybe sometimes they are put there deliberately by the Fed. But sometimes I also think the omission is not necessarily trying to tell you something, but sometimes just not stating the obvious. So it's a combination of all those sort of factors that I think, I think they were quite clear in saying they're committed to addressing inflation, and that's no surprise.
0: I actually found the line, several participants noted that particularly in the current highly uncertain global economic and financial environment, it would be important to calibrate the pace of further policy tightening with the aim of mitigating the risk of significant adverse effects on the economic outlook. And when I was reading, some market participants basically interpreted that as though if things get too turbulent in the markets then the fed could step in is that possible would that be uh, um, an option for the fed to kind of step in just like for example the bank of england uh, stepped in uh, a mid-market t- turmoil in in the uk
2: yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the um uk so it's always a possibility and there's an old adage that says um the market bottoms when um, your central bankers start panicking as happened with the uk that is a very good example yeah. of a panic both from the central bank and from and from the um, fiscal authority and again using the uk as example when a developed market bond uh, or those bonds are in danger as we saw with the uk then inflation doesn't matter as far as the um, central bank is concerned that whole fight against inflation is out of the window we are not there with the Americans we are not there with a lot of other um <clears throat> sorry mm. developed markets but certainly just anecdotally you know whether one reads in the news or a comment like that in the um, in the minutes of the Federal Reserve there is obviously a growing feeling that you cannot fight inflation exclusively mm and break the economy as a result.
0: Mm, Yeah. On the UK, uh, Dale, uh, there are reports that have come in uh, suggesting that the Bank of England could extend that uh, emergency bond buying program that's supposed to end tomorrow, and also reports that in the full budget uh, from the UK government, there could be some U-turns on some of the announcements that were made at the mini budget. Um, (coughs) How are you clinging on to any of those things, (laughs) those reports?
1: Well. as rickus has just pointed out but the the bank of england certainly i think would be open to to extending it i suspect or at least implementing something new um to to cater for these spikes in yields that we've seen so i don't think that's you know off the cards Mm -hmm. um they could also obviously roll that date further i doubt that that you know the market doesn't expect them to do something if the need arises. Yeah. Um, um, in terms of, of you know, trusts, um, you know, stepping back on some of these economic policies at this stage, it's not clear to me that you know the, the pressure's been there, and they certainly haven't haven't really done a lot to, to appease the concerns of of the market. Um, so at this stage, um, I think we'll have to wait for for the finance minister to. to um, you know, put out a, a his report, which I think they've brought forward, yeah. um, and and sort of maybe that will give some insights into how the government's actually looking at this in a bit more detail. All
0: right, let's get into some questions. Besides the entire market being down, well, except for today, um, no, yeah, uh, actually, the JSC, uh Why has HewlettMellon substantially been up today, and what is the outlook for HewlettMellon? In general it's actually up about seven percent today uh ricas any significant uh, drivers there uh,
2: <clears throat> if if i can venture a guess it's possibly the um the possibility of both the americans and the european union putting a um embargo on imports of russian aluminium um i think the so that might have given some impetus to Uleman as an aluminium player, although one mustn't forget that Uleman doesn't actually, um, you know, it only makes aluminium products. So it still has to pay for the aluminium it uses to make those products. Um, obviously, in a, in a world where there is a shortage of aluminium, um, exports can be to the benefit of, of, of um, Uleman, so maybe that was part of the news. And um, secondly, one mustn't forget that in order to make those products, Hewlettman uses a lot of electricity. And considering where we are as a country and electricity supply, one shouldn't um, forget about that, that if you you need that electricity, the obvious thing is to maybe um, ask a few players for downtime in order to provide electricity for the rest of the country.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dale, do you have anything to add on Hule- on Huleman's uh, prospects?
1: No, I suspect it's, um, you know, the news about, you know, both the LME and the U.S. and mm. um, potentially mm. looking at Russian aluminum. So okay. I think that is probably part of the driver. But it probably means the second derivative is that, you know, the likes of a Huleman, who does export into markets, if there's any shortage of, of that metal flowing into, say, the U.S. or whatever, it might create export opportunities for their products
0: and maybe that's some of the Ah. positive optimism around that okay um just amid this volatile time uh there's a question here may you ask the panel where to invest now instead of just keeping cash is keeping cash even a bad idea at this point (laughs) rickus
2: it depends on your time horizon um so if you can stand this market volatility there and and i mean it sounds like a cliche but there are sectors and there are certain companies that have been beaten down quite heavily and looking three four years ahead Um, again if you can stand another 10 15 price dip in any of those specific things um, it's not a bad time to invest if you want to feel safe then obviously um money market yields are pretty pretty good so if you want to lock in a two or a three year yield at 10 percent, let's say um without without having sleepless nights that's another avenue rather than just having cash in the bank
0: yeah um dale is cash the best place to be if you don't want to have sleepless nights
1: <laughs> well I'm, I'm i'm an equity portfolio manager so i'm always <laughs> looking at those opportunities that, that rickus was referring to where you know there's a lot of stocks you know look beaten up there are multiples that certainly look very attractive so i do think if you're prepared to weather some of the storm there are opportunities but i think it's like anybody investing in the market you should have a balanced portfolio um and you know you must understand your own risk tolerances you know so mm-hmm. if, it, if you lie awake at night that's not good for you. So, um, yeah, sometimes cash is the right place depending on who you are.
0: Uh, there is a question on AVI, a stock that Chris Gilmore last month um, wrote on on Business Live saying that it is the best run uh, food related business in SA. Uh, so the question is. Um, Ask the panel about an investment in AVI at uh, the present moment. Uh, would it be, uh, it would it would be on a long term basis? So, what do you think about the long term prospects of AVI, Rick? Is starting with you.
2: It is what it is. In other words, it it um, it caters for the basic need of your consumer. So, in that sense, it's never going to be a high rating tech stock, if I can call it that. So. Yeah. Um, if you want consistent management, reasonably consistent earnings, um, a well established dividend policy, which at the moment, you know, that dividend itself is looking pretty good, and also realize that at times the input costs will um, distract from margin and sometimes they'll, they'll do very well if, if things are going good. It's um, considering its track history and what it is. Um, I don't think it's a bad long-term investment at
0: all. Yeah. They did say um, in their last results that those input costs actually um, did offset some of uh, the the ability for them to increase prices to consumers in some of those categories. But largely uh, good performance. We did have uh, pressure on the INJ side. Um, Green Cross uh, returning to profitability. So broadly looking pretty good, of course, citing that they are not immune from, from the macroeconomic challenges that still persist. Adele, how would you be looking at AVI right now?
1: You no, know, I can probably agree with most of what both of you have said there. I mean, I think it's a company that's particularly well managed and I, I tend to like their, their category approach where you know, they tend to be able to price it At the higher end of the category and at the bottom end of the category so it's tough economic environments you know the consumers can stay within the avi stable but obviously trade down between their brands etc so you know that's one of the 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 things i I certainly like about it in in the food producer space um and i agree it's it's probably not looking expensive at all relative to its history um you know so from that point of view it's one that Yes, you'd have to probably see a, a broader, better SA macro to really see meaningful growth potentially out of a business like this, but that's not unique to, to, to ABR. You could probably make that argument from most SA-type stocks. Um, but I, I, I do think it's a, a stock I, I like, and at these levels, it's certainly not particularly expensive.
0: All right. I, I think every day we get a question on Sun International. There's another one. Sun International is apparently recovering very well after COVID and approved the expansion of new villas for the Sun Vacation Club. It also declared a dividend this year. Is Sun International a good investment for three to five years at current prices? Rickus.
2: Depends on tourism. Um, as far as the company having dug themselves out of a hole, reduced their debt, being able to pay a dividend, cut costs, reposition themselves, um, you know, as far as gambling is concerned, and also their hotel offering. They are um, poised to benefit from from any increase in tourism. I think in the short term they will definitely do that over this holiday um, season. And then, tourism being such an important part of this country's growth path um, ahead if you've got confidence in that path then i think sun international is an obvious counter that can benefit from that
0: um the other day uh, how are you looking at the gaming side so uh, the other day actually uh jean-pierre Fester actually mentioned that um I think it was quite unsure about the gaming side because you have your, your most valuable players, I think accounting for 10% of that, but really bringing in about 80 to 90% of profits uh, on the gaming side. But then most of those people are overseas tourists and business people that are also under pressure. So how are you thinking about that, er- that area of the business?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it did surprise me through economic cycles that the gaming side um, hasn't been as defensive as one might have thought originally, if I go back thinking about these companies, yeah. you know, 15 years ago, et cetera, and I actually, as an analyst, looked at them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised by that. And I think that is probably the one thing to caution, obviously, going into what looks like a tougher macro environment, or at least it's been tough and it's just going to continue and potentially get a bit tougher from yeah. So from that point of view, I do think it is a risk um i do think they are doing lots of bits and pieces all over the place whether it's refurbishments of, of you know things like the palace which i think they're competing in november etc there's lots of things like that which i think they are investing in their business and i think hopefully will deliver for them on a three to five year basis mm. um so yes i think some of the short-term you know risks certainly to gaming and and Hopefully tourism continues to recover what was a, a very defeated COVID base. Yeah, you know, the stock probably can do reasonably well and probably doesn't particularly be expensive. But there are obviously risks that one needs to remember.
0: All right. Uh there's a question on uh entry in Barlewold and Twingela following a rebound um, in the last few days in the coal price. So i'll give i'll give you guys each one of those so uh ricas which one do you want bala or tingela
2: i think bala will possibly um and that um the one side of their business is very good it's the starch business they bought from tongal that did very well yeah as far as the rest of the um heavy machine heavy yellow machines are concerned um it's, it's always a cyclical business, and at the moment we are certainly not in a global growth environment, although that being said, a lot of the stuff that, that the market does get used in mining, and I think um, people might underestimate the amount of new development that will have to be done in mining, specifically than using barless equipment. Mm. The other problem is, of course, Russia, and we all know what's going on there. Um, the growth market in that side of the world to me has always been mongolia yeah but with the geopolitical situation as as it is and with china growth slowing down i don't know whether um with the you know with the chaos that is that is being flung on both russia on china whether um that's as good as it used to be so i am fairly cautious about barlow um at the moment buying into a company that is so first of all affected by a slowdown in global growth hmm. and then having those specific country issues
0: adele uh, just with uh World, i mean how um how much value do you think a uh, an avis listing could unlock for bala World?
1: yeah i don't know the numbers at the top of my fingertips yeah so i I can't give you the exact number on that. Yeah. But clearly, this is quite an opportune time to be the um, listing car rental businesses. They're all doing a lot better. Uh, than, you know, if you try to hire a car in Cape Town or whatever the case might be, you certainly might be surprised at the, the rates per day that you're paying. And that's, that's been a consequence of the shortage of vehicles. Mm. And that, that obviously flowed through into to the rental market as well. So they've been able to price up something that they haven't historically been able to do. And certainly yeah. the youth market's been also quite strong. So it's a good time to be doing that on, the, on that side. But maybe to touch on it, it might be an interesting way to think about this. Obviously, you know, a resolution around Russia, Ukraine, probably positive for parlors in the context of, you know, maybe your market feeling certainly a bit more comfortable about that. Um, yeah. Um, equipment business in Mongolia, etc. But likewise, it would be negative, potentially for, for coal, coal, if there was some resolution. So you know, as long as that conflict continues, I suspect Tugela and coal prices probably remain um, higher from, for the moment, okay. um, and that might be one way to be thinking
2: about it.
0: All right. So you've touched on Tugela. Um, entry into Tugela right now, Rikas?
2: Um Yeah, it <coughs> it feels as as if it you know it's run such a lot. It must be very expensive, but yeah. it probably isn't. Um, at least not for the next three six months. Okay. I don't see the Ukrainian question resolving well. You know, um, it's going to be—it's there's a possibility of very bad—you know—a few possibilities of outcomes, and they're all pretty bad as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, so, in that sense, cold is not going away. Maybe in the long term, but not for the next three, four months. Certainly not this winter. And um, as if we can get trains to work then there's a huge potential for a continuation of the type of earnings we've seen coming from together plus the dividend payouts at least for the next six 12 months
0: all right there's a question on blue label telecoms having written off their SLC investment i'm assuming that any changes in that company's fortunes will have a material effect on the blue label share price is that a fair assessment And in your opinion, um, is it worth a speculative punt? So they did write down that Celsi investment, but uh, I think if I remember correctly, they had said that they're evaluating that investment after the recapitalization of Celsi. Uh, Has this move, uh, Dale, put Blue Label on your radar?
1: Unfortunately, it hasn't necessarily put it on my radar. Mm. I mean, the stock is down... um, you know, considerably
0: yeah
1: you know from a little earlier on in the year um and clearly you know any success they may have i think with cell c and the, the sort of relaunch or, um, of it and, and a turnaround there would clearly be quite good for, for blue labels so i think from that point of view it's something certainly to watch um yeah, they have the 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 results they published, there were certainly parts of that business that I think that was executed executing particularly well. Yeah. Um so you know, it, it's certainly you yeah, know, I am a little surprised the stock has been under as much pressure as it's been under. Um yeah. but that's perhaps again a consequence of you know how many people's radars it's fallen off and and I'm perhaps one of those unfortunately for yeah. the stock. So yeah, that would be my, my, my few cents on that one.
0: Um Ricus, would you be uh Putting in a speculative punt on this one, or are you still just too spooked?
2: Well, I think there's there's two things. If you, you know, this market is risky. To go in for a spec punt on a turnaround situation, you're just adding to the risk, and you're you're not doing yourself any favour. Mm. Um, secondly, if I want to play in the telecom space locally, well, I won't say locally, but at least local council wise, I'd rather go to MTN, which the main threat there is foreign government intervention as we've seen from nigeria for example but where the basics in the company mm. is doing very well and the future prospects as far as their um entry into the financial side of things are concerned is far more exciting than turning around a third tier south yeah. african local um cell phone company
0: yeah all right well let's get into your stock picks 30 seconds each we don't have much time dale what will it be today
1: yeah, I actually picked a speculative one, and it's Marianne <laughs> Roberts. <laughs> um, um, but it's one that's got a, a, you know, it's trading on a five multiple for it. It's got an order book that's 60 billion. The stocks come off quite considerably, trading close to six Rand. It just looks, you know, for a business that I think is managing its risks, you know, and construction has plenty of them. But don't mm. get me wrong, it's, it's one that I think doesn't look particularly expensive. They've got a pretty healthy order book. And it's all a question of can they execute on it and if they can i think the stock could
0: do a bit better all right and uh, rick on your side
2: well we discussed the stock during this program it's it's avi so there's nothing more to be said fundamentally technically Mm. they're sitting at about 75 rand i think trend wise we can probably have an initial target around about 80 rand so in this kind of market it's pretty defensive
0: Yeah, all right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time and giving us your insights and analysis. Thanks to my guests, uh, Rikus Readers from PSG Wealth Reimsich and Dale Hutchison from APSA Asset Management. Do join me again tomorrow for the Friday edition of Stockwatch. The show now is live at 1 p.m., but do send your questions just before that. Have a good evening.